Welcome to our special series, Tales from the Trail. A number of episodes that we've recorded as we're on the road around the western states for our winter clinic tour. We're sitting down with makers, craftsmen, tax store or western store owners, and ranchers as well, horsemen, to visit, to catch up, to hear their stories. And we thought it'd be interesting to share these as a special series on our podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I'm excited to get to sit down with an old friend of mine. I've known Joni Velotion for pretty much my whole life. And uh, she's, a, she's a breeder here in my hometown of, in Craig, Colorado, of some amazing paint horses. Many of you might remember when Natalie and I imported a paint stallion from Colorado to New Zealand here a few years ago. And that was one of Joni's Uh, young horses. But I remember when I was a kid, the first paying job I remember having, I must have been about 13 or 14, and I was working repairing old fence around that lease north of town here. And I think I made $2 an hour and I thought I was the wealthiest man. It was was so cool and I always will remember that. Joni, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me today and and visit a little bit about what you're doing and, 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 and your story. Okay, well thank you, Ben. And uh, Ben has been a very good friend of mine all of these years, and uh, his family has been a, a good family in the community, and so I'm very proud of what Ben has done. But anyway, uh, to me, I grew up on a ranch here, South Craig, and uh, we had horses. We had good horses. Uh, they went back to the Coke Roberts lines okay, and some good thoroughbred lines, so... As a young child, we had good horses, so uh, life on the ranch, we needed them on the ranch, and so we had to have using horses that were durable, that could be ridden all day, and that has taken me basically to where I am now. Um, I need to have a good horse, a good strong horse, good feet, good legs, good bone, good body, Uh, work, be able to work all day long and uh, be ready to go again the next day. So with that philosophy, I started with paint horses. Uh, in 1996, I bought my first paint horse, a true Rolex. Right. And got to showing him. And what he, sort of showing did you do? Uh, at first, he was just a baby, and so yeah. uh, we put him in yearling halter, and he got a few halter points, and then we put him in pleasure as a two-year-old, and he uh, did well in the pleasure, and. Then he would stand tied to the fence and watch every roping run as a two-year-old. And so we said, well, let's rope on him. Yeah. So at the end of his two-year-old year, year uh, we started healing on him a little bit, and we took him to Athens, Texas, and he got his first ROM in the roping in Athens, Texas. Okay. And from there, he's just progressed to uh, the all-time coin-earning stallion in the history of the Paint Horse Association. <laughs> That's crazy. So. That is so crazy. And then later... Uh, Four years later, I had a foal born named Gabar Drummer, and he was born on the ranch that uh, Ben worked on with okay. me. Yeah. And uh, when he was about four, I raised a foal crop out of him when he was two and three, and when he was about four, we got serious about showing him, and uh, he just started out fantastically, and he ended up being the number two all-time point-earning stallion in the history of the Paint Horse Association. Well, that's quite a record to have two mm-hmm. like that at the very top. Yeah, and the other horse that I had 
was Passion Buck. And Passion Buck, uh, we had people, a veterinarian Craig that would AI at the time, and we were showing him too, so we were able to ship semen from all the stallions, and right. then uh, they moved to Arizona. So Passion Buck got elected to be the pasture stallion. Right. So during all the big shows in the summertime, he was out in the pasture breeding mares. So he only got to be the number seven horse. <laughs> so going back to your your sort of foundational start with horses as a kid, and, and so that ranch was south of Craig. That's the one along the airport road? Oh, uh, yeah, Canes right? Divide. Yeah. yeah. So did, did your country stretch back towards Canes Divide there? Yeah, up over the top, actually. Yeah. Even. And... Uh, that's some rough country. It is. It's oak brush. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. You have to be a good rider in steep hills. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's pretty challenging country. Yeah. Uh, the one, one of our pastures was nine miles from the house. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we'd long trot a horse up there, go check the cows, do what we needed to do and come home. Yeah. So. You definitely have to have a solid horse for that kind of country and, and those sorts of miles. Good bone, good feet. Like you say, mm -hmm. that's, that's for sure. So when you got into the paint horses, what was the what was the perception around paint horses at that time? Do there you were, think? Well, I wanted a paint horse that would produce color every time, and hopefully a black jeaned horse. Right. And at that that time, True Bruiser and uh, Shots Flying Spark, in my opinion, were the two best double homozygous horses going. Right. And. There were lots of homozygous horses, but people were just breeding for color. They weren't breeding for confirmation. They weren't breeding for athletic ability. Right. So I found Rolex, and he was a son of uh, True Bruiser, and I found a filly named Gabar Goldust right. uh, down in Texas from Dr. Martens and Rhonda Walls. And so she was out of Shots Flying Spark and out of a daughter of Gabar King, and she was uh, Gabar Drummer's mother. So that's where the foundation of my program started. Right. Now, I think that a lot of the folks listening here probably can understand, um, I guess, us humans' tendency to breed for color or pretty this or pretty that, and sometimes to not focus on maybe the more important things of confirmation and trainability and, and those sorts of things. But just for those who are listening who, who may not... Uh, understand the term homozygous can you explain a little bit of the genetic genetics behind what you say or what you're meaning when you say double homozygous yes yeah, so homozygous for tobiano means that that horse will produce a tobiano foal every time right homozygous for the black gene means that there'll be no sarls or palominos they'll all be uh, dark mated tailed dark gene horses right yeah that's that's very succinctly put um with the so so the Tobiano or the paint color patterning, obviously when you're in paint horses, that's what you're looking that's for. That's what you want. The you breeding stocks when I first started uh were worth maybe ten percent of what a nice colored homozygous horse was worth. Right. So you kinda looked at getting breeding stocks as being a loss. So you somehow wanted if you're gonna breed paints, you wanted them all to have color. Yeah. And for some reason, people like the dark jeaned okay. paints better than they like the sorrel paints. It, right. That's more pleasing to the eye. That's interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting because that was kind of my next question: what the pros and cons were with having the black base versus, you know, the red. Um, so, and that, of course, that's what True 
was the, the young stallion that we imported. He was double homozygous. And I know for one thing with the black that I've thought about at least is, you know, when you end up with paints that have a lot of white uh, or the pink skin around the eye or the nose, mm -hmm. you know, and you end up with sunburn or even cancers, you know, are, um, from that light colored skin. So I always figured that was kind of a bonus of having yeah. that black base. Yeah, in the Tobiano, uh, as the old timers describe it, is a dark colored horse, like a quarter horse, with white on it. And Onovero is a white horse with color on it. That's a good way to put it. And typically, I steered away from Overo's because of where we live. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of white on their face and they get sunburned. Yeah. And then they also had the lethal white gene. So if they were homozygous right. for their color gene, you had a lethal white that would die. Right. So uh, I steered towards Tobianos and getting color every time. And I like a minimal white horse with... Right without a lot of body white, less than 50% white is my preference. Right. And then you mentioned too, you know, the tendency with the paints, you know, back, back when you got started where people were breeding for color and sometimes they weren't looking at the requirements of confirmation or, or a good mind trainability. And, and you recognize that. How did you steer not just your breeding program but also the market of the people that are wanting to buy these horses were was that part of what you're intentional about is trying to educate the market to say hey these horses are not just flashy they're actually solid put together right with a good mind yeah i wanted to have paint horses that were top of the line top athletes had the color and that was my goal and I just started out just perfect and it came out just perfect. You got, <laughs> yeah. you got started yeah. with the right, the yeah. right ones. Yeah. 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 That's, that's awesome. I think there's, there's some old timers still that, that steer away from paints just because they're flashy or because of the people that seem to think that they're just all about the color. But that was one thing that I really appreciated about what you're doing. And when we, when we brought that stallion down to New Zealand is Look, this horse is flashy. He's cool looking, but he's got a good mind and mm -hmm. he's got solid bone and good feet. And like, it's the whole package, right? Yeah, being very trainable is really important Absolutely. Too, to that package. And uh, we've got horses that have really good temperaments. You don't have to ride them every day. You know, they can take a break and they're just like they were the day you got off of them. Exactly. When you start over again. And uh, that's so important for people nowadays because there are so many people that can't ride their horse every day and use them hard on a ranch. And we used to take a lot of horses that really weren't that good temperamented, but we made good horses out of them. But these start out good temperamented right. and are very easy to train and very athletic. And they're pretty and everybody's all excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like uh, you can have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, you can have everything. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's kind of unique in a lot of ways because the the color is is amazing and to have the homozygous gene like that where you can guarantee that color is just incredible. Um, but to me, the the trainability and the good mind, you know, to me that's that's probably the most important thing in any horse. And and I guess the old saying is, you know, a good horse is never a bad color. Right. You know, and so that's that's pretty cool. So. 
as you developed those the, that foundation of your breeding program, how did you how did it go as you were starting to get get your foals or your or your young horses out to to people? What types of disciplines were they involved in, or how did you get that sort of out um, to to growing and and selling more horses? Well, I was basically a team roper, so right. uh, I kind of promoted that, but. There were horses that uh, won the Colorado Jumping Association. Right. There were horses that won in Western Pleasure. There were horses that reserve world champion halter horse out of Rolex. Right. Uh, they just did well in any all-around right. uh, thing that you wanted to do. Right. So they were actually athletic enough that they could do well and perform in just about any discipline. Yeah. They could ride English, they could ride in, you know, they could jump, they could do dressage, they could, exactly. you know, and, and they could rope, and there's all kinds of world champion ropers out of my lines. And uh, then the barrel racers found out they could run. And, <laughs> and so now we've got some 1D and 2D, all the way down to 4D barrel racers, depending on the person's yeah. ability. But the horses are fitting them. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, they're they're good enough for uh, the 4D girls to ride, and they're good enough for the 1D girls to ride. That's awesome. And they're winning ropings and uh, doing well at, at at the college finals and right. winning go-arounds at the college finals. And it, it, as I look at it, uh, they're just versatile enough to do it all. Yeah. And my goal with a horse was I always felt that Whatever horse you had should be an all-around horse yeah. and be able to do anything you want to do from going on a trail ride to going to a rodeo to going to a horse show. Yeah. Uh, to do anything that you want on it. You know, to have it be your pet, to have it be a <laughs> tough competitor. Right. I think versatility is one of the hallmarks of a great horse and, and a great breeding program. Um, it always concerns me a little bit, like say in the quarter horse world where you you kind of get um this breeding headed straight towards one discipline you know whether it's barrel racing or reining or cutting you know and i know there's there's traits that uh a person might look for for those disciplines and they may want to breed for that but in the long run i think it starts to deteriorate the versatility of the quarter horse breed and and paints are, are similar there the versatility i think is is one of the best things about them you know yes. like you say that that you could you could work cows or rope on the ranch and then you can go to town and and do a team roping or dressage or whatever it is you want to do right these these horses have the mind and the athletic ability to do that when it's approached the right way and and I just think that that's something that we don't want to lose in these breeding programs you know yeah and I've strived to have my horses win the all-around at the world show yeah, and I've had periods of time where I've taken two horses, and one was the uh, all around, and the other horse was the reserve all around. That's awesome. You know, so yeah, uh, that's the thing that I want. I want that horse that can just do anything you want, and uh, I believe that the paint horses are just quarter horses with spots on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got the same you know trainability, the acceleration, the athleticism. Uh, but flashy color to be. Yeah. And why wouldn't you want to ride? <laughs> why not? A horse, an eye-catching horse. Yeah. 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 For sure. So as you're as you're 
breeding program developed there over the last, say, 20 years, um, how did you go about sort of getting that out to the market? Obviously, you were doing some showing. You had some of your, the people buying the horses doing different showing and rodeos and different stuff. Uh, when did you get it online or, or on Facebook? How have you sort of developed that side of what you're doing? You know, Facebook has been good. Uh, I post pictures of my foals and my horses, and uh, I do it on uh, my Joni Velotion Facebook page and uh, Joni Velotion Performance Horses. I used to do a few ads in the Paint Horse Journal, and I still do some sure. occasionally. But the word of mouth is the big thing. People get a good horse. Yeah. They like it. And they tell their friends, and they show up and repeat customers. Yeah. So once I initially got started, my horses were winning, and then right away the progeny started winning. Right. And it it's amazing how long that takes. That does take a little time. You know, time. it was six years before I bred Rolex because I just wanted him to win as much as he could. Right. And so then another four years before his babies really start winning in the roping disciplines sure. and stuff. Sure. So it takes a while to get going. Yeah. But uh, he was so unique in his color and his performance ability, and people were breeding to him and breeding their mares. So uh, at one point, we are breeding 100 or more mares a year. Wow. And uh, with ship semen. Yeah. And people were getting their babies, and they were showing them in halter paternities and yearling uh, lunge line and in-hand trail and sure. you know that they, they started out with them next thing you know they're winning world championships on them yeah yeah and like you say that helps build that word of mouth getting yes. the getting the word out there and, and helping people know where they can find find these good horses um with your uh breeding program had you always sort of wanted to get into that or did you originally sort of there in the 90s just start because here's this nice horse um he's he's got good breeding or he's double homozygous got a good mind and you just sort of started there before you kind of got into the breeding or was that something that you always wanted to do well i had this vision i had raised roan quarter horses okay and they were great rope horses uh they're very pretty, they're very competitive. And I saw some paints and I thought, man, I'd really like to have a roan paint. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so I took five of my best roan mares, took them out and bred them to paint stallions. And I knew nothing about homozygous, so right. I didn't breed to homozygous. And lo and behold, every one of them was a breeding stock. <laughs> and I was like, wow, how did that happen? Wow. But as I did research in genetics and got involved with Ann Bowling at UC Davis and Forrest Nelson, who was the owner of True Bruiser, was very big right. into paint horse breeding and color genetics, uh, I found that the roan gene and the paint gene don't like to reside on the same allele. Uh -huh. So if you want to roan paint, you need to breed your roan to a homozygous horse. Right. And then I went and looked at True Bruiser and got to know Forrest Nelson, and he told me that he bred the best double homozygous paint mare that he'd ever seen to Rolex for Rhonda Wolves. Uh -huh. And he said, if that's a stud colt, you should buy it. <laughs> and so the baby was born. She overnighted the pictures to him. I ran down, looked at the pictures of him at one day old. Yeah. And 
called her up and asked her what she wanted for him and told her I'd take him. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah, and the rest is history. I'll be. Wow. Yeah. But I had been looking for a homozygous. I, I bred those mares five years before I found Rolex. And right. so I'd been looking at paint and trying to figure it out. Right. And when Rolex came along, that was what I was looking for. Yeah. You know, uh, True Bruiser, Painted True True had produced world champions in roping and barrel racing and all kinds of other events. And True Bruiser had some pleasure points and halter points. And, yeah. you know, there were people showing his colts and doing well with them. So he was probably the best paint, double homozygous paint horse out there. Yeah. So if I was going to breed for color, it was a good place to start. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best places to start. That's neat. So what's your ongoing vision for this breeding program? What do you see in the future for what you've got established here? Um, I've infused some other bloodlines. I bought a son a highbrow cat out of a smart little Lena daughter. Okay. I kept a couple of sons of his nice. that are paint and several daughters that are paint. And so I'm going to, that's the first step. He was a quarter horse, so sure. not homozygous. Yeah. So I will uh, be getting, I've gotten some homozygous colts and fillies out of the sons. Right. I will be getting out of the fillies this year, the first full crop of that cross. Nice. Um, I've bought a couple real good barrel mares and put them in my herd. Uh, I've got some Frenchman's Guy, yeah. uh, some Streak of Fling, so um, some PYC Paint Your Wagon. So my, my philosophy out there is I've got the basis and the good studs. Now putting some different mares in for a few different disciplines to yeah. even be better. You know, some top reining horses, yeah. some top cutting horses, and put a little cow little cow in them. And, For sure. You know, cross back to what I had, but only a little better. Sure. I thought the, uh, the horse's name was High Flying Cat. He was by Highbrow Cat out of a daughter of smart little Lena. Uh -huh. And Highbrow Cat uh, was the all-time money-earning quarter horse stallion. And Smart Little Lena was number two. So I thought crossing those lines into my one and two paint horses would be yeah. a great thing. I think that that sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see how that how that turns out for sure. I think that's a that's a good strategy to just get a little bit of fresh blood in there. And, and, uh, and of course, as you know better than anybody, the breeding of horses, you're just sort of tweaking things as you go along. And sometimes it takes a bit of time to to see the results of the, 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 uh, yeah, the results of what you're doing. But, um, that's, that's pretty cool. That sounds really good. Just trying to get better and better yeah. and better yeah. is the goal. Absolutely. And stay focused on the all around horse that can do it all. Yeah, exactly. And how, how have you found the horse market the last few years? Cause it seems like it's been a bit volatile. Yeah. It's been good for me. Good. Really good for me because I've stuck to my vision of where to go yeah. and that's what people are wanting yeah. and then they get a horse they love it they tell their friends about it their friends come buy one so the word of mouth thing has just been yeah. incredible for me at this point yeah and you've got horses even overseas don't you a lot of horses in Europe yeah yeah uh, quite a few in South America 
Nice. And so that's all good. And yeah. then, then your horse over in yeah. New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. So that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's awesome. Well, Johnny, I sure appreciate you taking some time to sort of share your story and what you do. Where can people find out more about your program? Uh, usually on Facebook is the yeah. best place. Joni Velocian. Well, that's very good. I sure appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Life in the Saddle podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and leave a five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.